We break down the Charlotte Hornets weekend that, yes, saw another injury on the season. And, of course, Doug brings the mock drafts all today on Locked On Hornets. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and we're available anywhere you get your pods. First time users, by the way, can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On if you use Prize Picks, the sponsor of today's show. So that's prizepicks.com, promo code Locked On. We appreciate their support as always. I'm Walker Mail. You can find me on WFNZ from 12 to 3. That's Doug Branson. You can find him and a substack on every hornet's box score.com. He's sleeping though. Why are you sleeping, Doug? Are I'm not sleeping? sleeping. I'm looking okay. at uh, I'm looking at the box score, trying to pull up the box score from this uh So that Chicago looks game. very I, I mean, you're going to have to go back and check this out once you publish this video to well, YouTube. I'm looking that down. Was yeah, very... I'm looking down. My eye, you no, know, I think that people keep people like make fun of like celebrities for sleeping at games. They're not sleeping. They're just looking down at their phone and the camera being such that it is makes it look like they're sleepy. No, and I look down at the because of my setup. I am looking down at the screen constantly. The way you look down, though, because I've been doing this with you for a while, mm-hmm. and it n- didn't quite look Brian Windhorst esque like it did right there. It looked like you fell asleep trying to report on the television what was going on. But now here we're back, baby. Doug Branson, he is awake and he's fired up. He brought mock drafts. We'll get to those in the last segment. I don't know if you're fired up though to talk about what happened this past weekend though, because there was a lot of injuries. There was a lot of, I guess young baby bees out there that weren't getting the job done as much, although there are some nice things to talk about here. And so let's get to, we can get to James Booknight, his ability to hit five threes in this last outing. That was fun. But of course, some of these guys get opportunities, Doug, because of another injury, PJ Washington as exits the game against Chicago, two contests to go. They're calling it a right foot sprain. Don't know if he's going to suit up the rest of the season. I know he was, that's not like they ruled him out, but we'll see. So PJ Washington out unfortunate because he was playing very well in a contract season, but I don't know how much time we're going to get from him as the season comes to a close. It just really has been extraordinary, the number of ankle injuries and the number of injuries in general that this team has sustained. Every year, you're going to have players in and out of the lineup. Steve Clifford talks about it all the time. It's part of the NBA. you got to just deal with the players you have and you know develop a game plan that you can win with, with whoever you have ava- available. But this seems like a lot, right? I mean, this seems extraordinary. P.J. turning his ankle – you said it. They called it a foot sprain. I think they literally cannot. They cannot bring themselves to say that another player has an ankle injury. Like there's just there's trauma around the word and this organization at this point. They're just like call it anything else. It what the ankle is on the foot, right? All right, call it a foot sprain. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. Well, and, and they did this with Dennis Smith Jr. Did you see the report going into Chicago for DSJ? Did you see that they called no, it didn't. a great toe sprain? Did you see that? Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yes, I did see that. So a great. So toe right, like I, I okay. listen. I've 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 sprained my toe. It's not great. I'll tell you that right it's now. It's not That's... great. It's not great whatsoever. And of course, we can go ahead and you know probably probably uh, guess that it's the big toe. I just never heard of it as the great toe, especially if it's sprained. But yeah, well, if we're talking so about toe wording. rankings. You know, I mean, the big toe is obviously up there. But I mean, you know, it's don't great. listen. I think it's don't, number one. Uh, well, okay, but don't sleep on the pinky toe. 
I mean, see, when you're I, trying to balance, when you're trying to like balance, that pinky toe is crush. I mean, I guess so. I'd still, if I had to cut one toe off, it'd be the pinky. Wow. Just if if that was the thing. If I had to, if we're playing that, it's game. also the easiest oh. one to clip when you're you know taking the nail clippers oh, to it. True. Like it's just like boom, boom. I mean, you know, the big toe, you got to spend you know time, you know, trying to get that toenail off. The pinky is just like bang, bang. Oh, mm, yeah, that's kind of gross. Um, anyways, <laughs> let's go to some other things instead of the toe conversation. Uh, so a couple of other people, they got opportunities in this weekend, Doug, I think we start with James book night, to be honest. Um, James book night against Chicago, eight of 16 from the field, six of 11 from three. You see what he did yesterday in a matinee game against Toronto. James book night comes off of the bench and he hits five of his seven, three pointers taken. He's been more of a threat from deep than he has finishing at the rim, which wasn't really his college MO. He was the guy that was going to attack and finish at the rim at an elite level. And you were hoping everything else would come along. What did you make of James book nights weekend? You know, I thought that game against Chicago, you know, despite the loss uh, was his, the most complete game that I've seen him play in, in, in a, in a while. Uh, Cause he was doing it with uh, his shot, obviously the six threes, was a, a career, I want to say it was career tying. I don't know if it was career high. I have to check that. Because uh, he's he's hit a lot of three-pointers in his time here, in his short time. So, uh, you know, but he was doing it with his pass. He was doing it with his defense, which I think he followed up with in the second game uh, this weekend against Toronto. And Clifford even made a mention of it after the game, saying that, you know, he made an impact with his, you know, on-ball defense, which is not something that we've really associated with Book Knight since he's joined the Charlotte Hornets, but he has really improved uh, his defensive, both his defensive effort and just the details required to stay in front of guys in the NBA. And he was also fighting off some switches um, in that game against Toronto. He was able to really make an impact there. And, you know, just those little instances of him getting caught, falling asleep on defense, getting back cut, just not paying attention, you know, all those things. I didn't see a lot of that against Chicago or Toronto. And what you really like is that he's putting together back-to-back performances. Because I thought there was an interesting quote from Clifford after the Toronto game. He wasn't specifically referencing James Booknight, but he essentially said, I'm paraphrasing here, but he essentially said, you know, that most guys in the NBA, if you give them enough run, can go out there and score 20 points on a given night. But it's really about, can you score 15 or 16, four or five nights in a row? So that I think that if you're looking for like how is Book Knight and all of the young players, how are they being evaluated by Clifford? I think it's based on that. You know, it's consistency of play. It's not necessarily can you go out there and have one great night. It's about can you put together back-to-back performances where the team plays better when when you're on the floor. And I think Book Knight achieved this. Walker, I would call this a start. Because we talked about this when we when we were talking about him first playing, you know, getting some run. What could he do in this last sequence? And, you know, I said, look, he can come out here and really open my eyes. I would say my eyes are half open at this point. You know, I'm I'm starting to get intrigued. This is a start for me. Uh, Yeah, 100%. I'm glad you brought up Steve Clifford post-Toronto because he didn't say 20. Like, he said 22, which was interesting because I was totally reading (laughs) on James Book Night as well. I was like, okay, I know who you're talking about. But then you go check the box score, and he scored 21. But Clifford was discussing, well, you know, any look, 
it's not about if you can come out here and score 22. Everybody in the league can do that. It's if you can come out here and then give you a 15 or 16 four times a week. Like that's what he said, which is you know what you were discussing. And yeah. so that clearly was in reference to Book Knight, who also had 20 against Chicago. Well, we're making a sum. Just say we're making assumptions yes, for here. Sure. Yes, for sure. Yes, we are making assumptions. If if you would have gotten the exact point total right, then I'm not sure we would be <laughs> making assumptions. We would well, have you know, these numbers, look, these the numbers player. are a little, you can fudge these numbers mm-hmm. a little bit. I mean, the Hornets are telling me that they've sold the building out 15 times, that they were just short of a 16th sellout against Toronto. I checked uh, with David Walker, who was in the building, more tales from Spectrum Center, I'm sure, coming up later this week. And I was like, hey, did that building look almost sold out? And he was like, no. <laughs> so, well, and- you know, it's just interesting timing, by the way. All this, you're, If you've been right. paying attention to the Hornets and you read the Observer a lot and you're just seeing the word sellout being thrown out there a lot, I'll just say interesting timing with all of this team sale news on the on the horizon that you're hearing about Hornets selling out in a, in a year when they have the fourth worst record in the NBA. Well, and to be fair, James Book and I did have 22 the night prior, right? Or two nights prior. So yeah, 22 <laughs> against Chicago go. and 21 against Toronto. I'm going to, yeah, you're right. Call it assumption if you want to. I'm going to assume he's discussing James Book Knight and mine. And Steve Clifford, very long-winded answer. Somebody asked him after Toronto, how much of these games right now matter towards the future more so than what you're learning for the rest of this season and he said it was a good question and then answered it very thoroughly as steve clifford is one to do if he's intrigued by a question he'll spend all day on it which is honestly great it's fun to listen to him talk like that and he was discussing how as a coach you learn something every day gave you a little bit of a cliche but he said our job as a coach is to be an expert on every single one of these players right Mm -hmm. you got to know what makes them tick you have to understand what they do well and then maybe you learn something that they are improving on themselves and then so in 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 the same media interaction that's when he also drops some of the sound bites on james book night and he is you're, you're, he is giving you a start you're right doug it, it, it's it's great to see to be honest with you because this was not an opportunity anybody expected rod boone was laughing at you in the charlotte observer comment section for asking if book night was going to get any time <laughs> Me? and he said you mean in greensboro <laughs> Like you mean in Greensboro? Is that what you mean? Yeah, like that was when the writers, or that's when the the, the readers were asking him questions. Like, no, Book Knight's not going to get a chance, and he was right. He wasn't. Book Knight was not going to get one of those chances. But seven players are out. Yeah, the yeah. top seven, you could yeah. argue. Like I, it, with Mark Williams maybe being the only other one that you could argue. Everybody else, top seven, not playing in this game. Yeah, yeah. and so Book Knight's getting a shot because of it, and. 20 points a piece, man. That's that's good. That's good to see. Well, taking some tough shots too. I mean, and and knocking down some tough shots and the th- look, he's got the prettiest jumper on the team, right? I mean, the, all the guys that shoot well on this team have ugly jumpers. Let's just be honest. Like they're not they're not beautiful to watch. Book Knight's jumper. Okay, you think like over everybody? <laughs> oh yeah. Who who are you going to throw at me? But, but you mean like you mean everybody that's playing right now or even the injured guys? No, even the injured guys. I'm saying he has the Book prettiest Knight? jump shot on okay. the team. <clears throat> okay. I'm, I'm give me a name. Well, no, honestly, I didn't think any of them had like ugly ones. Like I didn't. Oh, PJs yeah. I mean, look, LaMelo, LaMelo knocks it down and he gets it out quick, but that is not no, a pretty LaMelo's, looking jump shot. You're right. Like LaMelo. No, uh, I'll PJ's, take it. I'm not, you know, again, it's, it's smooth, but I'm just Put like up to the comment section. I'm interested to see if they thought that as well. Like PJ and Kelly, right. I don't think, I don't even think Terry's is ugly. I, okay. Here's I, the point. This is surprising. a star for book night. He's got to continue. He's got to have a great summer. Okay. And, and he, he's got to work tremendously hard in the summer. He's got to stay healthy. 
because he was out all last summer. <laughs> and Clifford put some of the sort of gave him a little bit of a built-in excuse. You know, he's talked about, look, Book Knight lost an entire summer. It's going to be difficult to have a great year when you've lost that summer. I think he will get a chance to compete in summer league training camp, maybe summer league training camp, and then, uh, you know, get an opportunity in the rotation. And he's got to take advantage of it then. And he's got to continue, uh, you know, to put these performances together. So, again, great start. All right. Yeah. Plus, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I, I, I like what you're seeing from James Booknight. Of course you do. Hopefully the first rounder can figure it out. All right. Let's keep on going. Coming up next, Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We'll take a look at the new CBA. Some of the things that we think are most important to note from that. Plus, we have some other observations over the weekend we can get to as well. But I did want to discuss Prize Picks. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. It's an app where you can pick two to six players, and if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to twenty-five times your money on any entry. And there's no competing against other people. It's just you versus those projections available. They offer projections on really any sport you watch too. That includes the NBA. NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, men's and women's college basketball, which is coming to a close tonight's championship game in the men's tournament, WNBA, esports, plenty of other sports to get involved in. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. You have safe and fast withdrawals. They're currently operational in over 30 states and even Canada as well. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 with promo code locked on if you deposit 100 prize picks gives you 100 if you deposit 50 prize picks gives you 50 don't forget to enter promo code locked on and sign up for an instant deposit match up to 100 a couple more segments to go locked on hornets this is locked on hornets you know, golden state spent almost a minuscule amount of time with zero of their starters out on the floor. They had at least one out there the entire time. Four Hall of Famers. Yeah, they do. And <laughs> you so just you put them have, anywhere. You just have one out Stack there. Stack them up. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. All right, Doug, you have a conspiracy theory that you revealed over the weekend. And uh, I would argue, too, that maybe it's not James Booknight who has the best jumper, but it might be Nick Richards who has the best looking <laughs> jumper on the entire team. He hit a three over the weekend. And you think that this is actually something legitimately a part of his bag and the Hornets are only deploying it as the season ends. So next year he can come out firing fresh off his contract. I'm just saying, when Nick Richards hit that three with the shot clock on his back, he didn't heave it up there. He It didn't look awkward to me. It looked like someone that had – because you can't fake it. I mean, you you know, you either look smooth with the jumper or you don't. Either you've practiced it enough where it looks good, especially in that pressure situation. You either have done that or you have not done that. And I think based on that evidence, he has done that. So my conspiracy theory is, yes, that Nick Richards actually has a decent shot and they've been, you know, hiding that candle under a bushel until they can deploy it. Because, look, they've extended him. We I get the feeling that the organization knows something that maybe we don't know about Nick Richards ceiling. And that ceiling extends if he can hit a three, because, look, none of the centers that they have on the roster right now can hit a three. Like at some point, they've got to have some big that can hit a three. Right. And Kai will take him. Uh, Mark is not taking him. And uh, apparently, yeah, Nick is the only one that has. I mean, Kai Jones has hit one this year. 
but Nick Richards 100% right now from three-point range. So it's great to see. You, you did get to see all three centers, by the way, play against Chicago. That that mm-hmm. game was out of hand, and so eventually all three of them played. That did not happen against Toronto. Just to give you a little update on the center rotation, Nick Richards did not play because of the coach's decision. Kai Jones got because they were mad at, at him. No, the, no. The, here's the thing. I'm speculating here, but I'm speculating okay. that he Keep they going. were mad at him for taking that three and revealing the secret weapon that is Nick Fury Richards. It was a DNPC three instead of a CD. That's what happened with Nick Richards. He did not play because of the three pointer that he took against Chicago. So Kai Jones, though, he got minutes at the four and five. And, you know, Doug, at the beginning of this game, Steve Clifford talked about getting more minutes for Kai at the center spot. But he played, a, I mean, played quite a bit of minutes at the power forward spot again against the Raptors. And so this is one of those things that's a little confusing to me. I guess they continue to experiment. But if you don't have Nick Richards, then you think there would be plenty of minutes for Kai Jones to only play at the center spot. But that didn't really happen. You would have Kai Jones at four. Mark Williams would come in and you just have a big old front line if you're Charlotte. So and to me, it's pretty clear that Kai Jones is playing better at the center. You saw it in that game against Toronto. Very active down low, close to the basket. He had a couple of awesome blocks. He was, I mean, I just I just looked at Kai as active, right? Which is something mm-hmm. you could describe him really with a lot of these games, but I thought that was the case for Toronto. What did you make of the minis, uh, min, <laughs> minis, the little mini divvy, uh, the minutes divvied up between Kai Jones, Mark Williams, and then Kai playing four and five? Well, I think he played four because you need as much length as possible against Toronto. I mean, I think, you know, Clifford is still thinking strategically about mm-hmm. these games. It's not. You know, he's, he is trying to win these games. You just can't when the teams that you're playing are motivated to actually make the playoffs, unlike Dallas and OKC before them. These teams actually want to make the playoffs, Chicago and Toronto. And they're bigger, stronger, faster than the Hornets, uh, especially that Toronto game. Like, I mean, you know, Siakam was just putting every shot he wanted to up against Thor. You know, and, and it wasn't even – I wasn't even, like, mad at some of these guys – for their for the the defensive things that were happening, at least in Toronto, I think Chicago, you could make a case that they didn't really play up to the level that we know. That when these Steve baby was bees can Steve play. was mad about Chicago, but but against Toronto, he was happy with what they did. Yeah, so so I think that's part of why Kai played the four. You, you know, with Kai Jones, it's it's kind of the same story. He's been consistent in his play, which is like you're going to get amazing dunks, you're going to get a lot of activity, you're going to get a lot of energy. You know, defensively, I would say generally he's in the right space, pick and roll wise, more often than Nick Richards is even. Hmm. Um, but and this is a big but, he makes so many mistakes offensively. Like it's it's bad screens that result in turnovers, it's ball handling that results in turnovers, travels, uh, and, and just general mistakes. Like if he's not being delivered to, you know, <laughs> right at the rim. There are going to be problems, and so that makes him difficult. It makes it difficult to see him playing serious minutes moving forward. I think, you know, as frustrating as this is, I think he's still at least a season away. Oh yeah, but and and at least we're seeing some good stuff from Kai. But you're right; by no means is yeah. he a finished product. And yeah, you were talking about just the competition. You know, I think I think that's that's the part that's impressive here, right? You were saying that these teams are playing for the playoffs. You know, in Dallas. Dallas has just been reeling badly, but Charlotte caught them at the beginning of the reel, if you will, right? I mean, what what they were doing 
beating a team that still is very much so trying all the incentives, all of the incentive is to get to the play in and possibly playoffs. And Dallas just isn't able to do so. OKC, you're, you're you don't think so with Dallas? Well, well, Dallas was in the middle of their reel. I mean, they they had lost. I think they had lost a couple coming into Charlotte. So I, I, I think they we caught them not at the very beginning, but they had already started to falter a little bit. And Luca and you know Kyrie are, I think, having issues playing with with one another. So I think the real issue is that Dallas and OKC really didn't present defensive challenges well, to a Charlotte small. Hornets team. They're, they're that both are e- really, really small. Yeah, and, and, and weren't motivated on the defensive end either, I thought. And, and Toronto and Chicago are the exact opposite. And the Hornets turned the ball over, over and over and over. Like these two teams were able to expose the Charlotte Hornets' inexperience whereas Dallas and OKC were really relying on on their offense to carry them, and OKC didn't have SGA. Yeah, no, for sure. So, um, yeah, I do, I do think, especially with these last two games, though, you know, even Steve said yesterday, he's like, look, <laughs> he was laughing. It what was like, what? It, 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 yeah. What do you and want it was from me? kind of like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he realized, I was like, if we're going to put out, you know, three of the seven injured players, that game well, looks totally different. But – Fred Van Vliet dominated that game is what he said. And there, this was a team that was motivated at one o'clock, which is hard for players to do as they get in their routine. And Van Vliet set the tone. And we have Teo Maladone, who's the only real point guard that we're putting, that we're putting out there. Well, and yeah. What do you want him to what do? He, what he should have said is I want one of you to go out onto trade and try on right now. And if you can get one person to name the three highest scores tonight on this team correctly, then then I'll win the next game. Okay. But until then, you know, if someone goes out and tells you and, and can name Sfi Makai Luke, who's been playing well. Like, but, but gonna, lowly, look, we, we understand to, that because we're watching closely. We should talk about him a little bit, right? Like, is he Well, let's so you know, we gotta save we gotta yep. save some fun for tomorrow. I know <laughs> okay, I mean, that's I, fine. Sfi was great, but I want to save some fun. All right. Well, we'll we'll save. Uh, it'll be Sfee Tuesday, is what it'll be. We'll we'll continue to do that as the season comes to a close, which coincidentally only has one more week. So perhaps that's a good thing if we're doing Sfee Tuesdays at this point. All right. Let's go to the next segment and then do CBA and mock drafts. Coming up next, Locked On Hornets. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We'll tell you a couple of prospects that Doug is uh, looking at with these with these mock drafts. I have Sfee still on the mind. These Sfee. Sfee's mock draft will tell you some of the prospects that we're looking at here. This episode is brought to you by Bilt Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all of the fat and the calories, then you got to try a Bilt Bar. If you're like me and you want to eat healthier, but also you don't really want to compromise on the taste, then Bilt Bar is absolutely for you. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. They're low in calories. They're low in sugar, but they're high in protein and they're high in fiber. Plus, they come in awesome flavors. Churro, peanut butter, brownie, all the coconut variations are also very good plus if you're close to a sam's club you can run in and grab a 13 bar box with favorite flavors listed like brownie batter churro as i mentioned is a really popular one right now so you can go to sam's club and get them in bulk you can go to walmart go to the pharmacy section pick up a four bar box of built bars or you can just do it the old-fashioned way by visiting their website built.com b-u-i-l-t.com a big thanks to built bars as always one more segment to go locked on horn this is Locked on Hornets. And would, would, would I have liked to see a few more shards? Shards? No, I would not have. Shards. Only on the Locked on Podcast Network. 
your team every day. Before we get to the mock drafts, Doug, was there anything a part of the CBA leaks that were coming out over the weekend just last week that you thought was particularly noteworthy, maybe in its effect on the Hornets or just on the effect of the league overall? What's something that stood out to you? Well, yeah, I mean, if you don't know, uh, the NBA and the Players Association seem to have come to an agreement on a new CBA for the next seven years. That's super important. We avoid a lockout, we you know avoid any damage uh, that that would be caused either to the NBA, the players, you know, or hey, maybe the guy who is a governor of the Charlotte Hornets that may be not wanting to be a governor of the Charlotte Hornets anymore and wanting to sell this team, you know, I think it would be di- more difficult to sell a team if the NBA were to lock out. So I think there was some incentive here, certainly from uh, the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, to make this new CBA happen. So I think that's number one. I mean, you know, they, they, they get to continue to play. And the Hornets have a lot of young players. And a lockout, I think, would have been, you know, specifically harmful to a team that is trying to develop young talent, <laughs> more so than a team with veterans that can just pick it right back up and, and go back at it again. But I think the other thing, Walker, to look at is some of the stuff that happened in terms of spending – Uh, There was obviously a push from small and mid-market teams to limit the ability of franchises to both invest a lot of money in their in the players that they drafted in these major extensions that take them like well into the luxury tax, but then they also get mid-level exceptions. They also get abilities to add players. You know, I think a lot of teams felt like a that's unfair, and b it was limiting those small and mid-market teams to go after some of those mid-level exception type of players to get better to try to compete with those teams. And so they've capped the ability for those like major luxury tax spenders to have those moves. And and then on the other side of that, they've given some more tools for all teams to utilize. They're going to be larger trade exceptions. There's new and expanded exceptions to the salary cap, which we don't have details on yet. There could be some new exceptions like the mid-level and different things. Well, there's there's one with the second-round pick, which I thought was honestly kind of pertinent to the Charlotte Hornets, at least under Mitch Kupchak, right? And so Sham Sharania put out there that the NBA and the PA new CBA will create a new second-round pick exception that can be used so teams will no longer need to dip into the mid-level exception to sign second-rounders just to kind of get detailed what you're talking about. You know the Hornets will will utilize that. Um, and then there's going to be less. Here's the one I think is most interesting, less punitive system for teams at the lower end of the luxury tax. So I like this. I want the NBA and the NBPA to come together and coax a few of these teams who have been dancing around that luxury tax apron. Hey, come and spend a little bit more to win and we won't hurt you as much. And so whether it's Jordan who owns this team moving forward or it's, you know, Gabe Kaplan and his group that owns this team moving forward. Like, whatever happens, I hope that these new incentives to, hey, you can go into the luxury tax a little bit and it's not going to completely crush you year to year as a business. I, I like that idea. Yeah, I do too. Um, the, the only one I'll say is the minimum number of games played to be eligible for major 
individual awards is big. And 65 games is what Shams is reporting. Just to read the exact tweet, he said, NBA and NBA PA have agreed to a minimum number of games played, 65 games for players to be eligible to win major individual league awards, such as MVPs and the new CBA. I don't know if that includes all NBA selections. I guess it would, right? Like with individual awards. And that's where it gets a little dicey. I understand they're trying to make sure that the guys don't skip out on as many games for rest. Mm-hmm. And I and I like that. I want the good players to play. Mm-hmm. 65 games is a decent amount. <laughs> and if you look at this season, if you look at this season alone, Doug, Joel Embiid and Luka Doncic, the top two scores in the NBA as it stands currently, they're at 64 games right now. So they're going to be able to take care of this threshold, but with only a week left of basketball. Right. Like, and it's not like I would want to hold off Joel Embiid or Luka Doncic on any of these all NBA teams. Are you kidding me? You know that. So, so that would be something interesting. If you look at some of the other guys like Damian Lillard, what an incredible season for Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard only had 58 games under his belt before they kind of shut him down. Shea Gilgis has 66. Sorry, sorry, Giannis. sorry, Lillard. Time, time to get on the court. I'm pointing to my wrist, you know, doing the Damian Lillard thing. Time well, and, to get on the court. That that's true. <laughs> Dame time to get on the court. Oh, shush, shush, Siri. Yeah, well, now the Dame time is talking back to you and saying <laughs> F you is what the Dame time is saying. But yeah, Giannis has only played 62. I guess well, 65 is a lot. I don't know. But, I, so, I think but, so, but, that's, but see, to... I think you're making the point, which is yeah. that we're talking about a couple of games margin difference. We can push these guys to play a little bit more on some, you know, I think it's what's going to be tough is when guys have legitimate injuries that that hit right. them, you know, and keep them at 63 or 64 games. I did read that there will be some exceptions, so I, there might be okay. a little bit of wiggle room there. We have to wait till all of these details come out. And you might be saying, "Well, wait a minute. Do these guys really care about the individual awards? Would that motivate them to play?" But you have to understand that the All NBA, they're they're all tied into incentives for your contract. Yeah. So it's not even really about the hardware. It's about the fact that if you get all NBA, you get a, a bag load of money. So well, I think it will move some of these players, you know, again, on those marginal nights where it's like, well, I could play, I couldn't play. I'll decide not to play because the I, playoffs really matter more. Now the NBA is pushing that. And and the other thing I'll say is like, I think that's a situation and a rule change that could be easily fixed. You know, if, if if we go through a season and people are really legitimately mad at the names that are left off, you know, that 65, I think, easily could become 60 without having to wait seven years for the new CBA. No, I, I think it could be fixed. And I am interested because if it's not, Doug, then the other problem with this, you're right about the margins where, OK, maybe Joel Embiid does play against Nikola Jokic and you don't have him rest. Right. That was that was a real bummer. We wanted to see the MVP guys, the leaders in the clubhouse go at it and Joel Embiid didn't play. And so maybe he does play if you have the 65 game threshold. But the other thing is that we measure these players greatness in historical context based off of a lot of these individual awards. And so when we do that and let's say some of these players only get to 60 and there's not an exception made, and they get that, especially if you're talking about a couple of players that only play 60 games in multiple seasons, but they're still clearly great and still top 15 players to make an All-NBA selection, but maybe they don't get there. Maybe they're not even eligible to get an MVP award, so they're not even in the top five, 
right? Think about that. If you start to look at the top five finishers in MVP ballots and somebody plays 60 games, let's say it's Joel Embiid, who is the second best, but he only plays in 60, so he's not even on the ballot. Therefore, he doesn't have a top five finish. That stuff matters too when trying to evaluate. So I just hope we we kind of fix the evaluation if this thing is here to stay and this becomes a real problem holding out players to not be eligible for these awards that they're so clearly deserving at least to be in the running in. Well, a couple of other uh, Hornets ties. I don't know if this applies to rookie of the year, but LaMelo only played 51 games his rookie season. So if it does apply to rookie of the year, right. then uh, that would yeah, let Leave that him. up to the voter, man. Like, I I get it, you know. To, to some of this, leave it up to the voter. If it makes players play more, then okay, I'll shut up. And that's ultimately well, the Mello, intent. And, and, and the red, so I think it shouldn't apply to rookie of the year because like rookies want to play. <laughs> like there's no, it's not like yeah. we're incentivizing Nobody's them to resting, rest or play. Right. Like they want to get out on the floor. So really, and, and again, we don't know. I, I haven't seen anything about away like, from LaMelo, but you yeah. take it away from him. You know, um, also here's another Hornets tie. It means that really, I think we can say definitively that Gordon Hayward will not win an MVP. <laughs> <laughs> now we know Whew, I was still holding out hope but now uh, did we know. you see the all NBA also going positionless oh that's great well everybody's been clamoring for that forever so that's fantastic. yeah but but okay I get I get like wanting to eliminate the center position um but I, I don't know that I love like I wouldn't be in love with a five point guard or a five guard all NBA team like, I really would have liked to see, like, two guards and three bigs or something. Um, because I think when I look back at all NBA teams, I do like the fact that I could envision, imagine them, yeah. you know, being a team. Um, but, again, I think this was a case of, all right, look, if we're going to make all NBA part of the incentive structure of contracts, then then we must incentivize players to play their absolute best. And if you're if you're – you know, the third or fourth best forward in the NBA, you know, it's like, well, I'm, I'm not going to make it because, you know, they've, they've got these other positions. So I understand it. I wish they wouldn't wouldn't have made it completely positionless, though. Right. Well, and Joel Embiid is the example there, too. Right. He's going to be second in MVP, possibly. And that means he's going to be second team all NBA, <laughs> which is, you know, poor Joel with Nicola just winning these MVPs. It, it's held him away from a couple first team all NBA selections there. All right. Do you want to do one mock draft? At least we got to give the people at least something we promised on. Do you, you want to try to rapid fire through this, Doug? Uh, I mean, we, I only have two new ones. People are really okay. quiet on the mock draft, and, I, and this usually happens in March because people are paying attention to the tournament. And so hopefully as we ramp up towards, you know, we've got May coming up, and, and that's going to be combine time. As we start to ramp up, hopefully people get on these mock drafts and, and give me some more fuel for my fire here. But I've got two here just really quickly, for, and we can. I want to dig into these tomorrow. We don't have time to dig in right now, but just join us tomorrow. I'll bring these back up because I think there's some interesting things to look at here. So with The Athletic, they've got uh, a new mock draft from Sam Vecini. He has the Hornets at four, taking Amin Thompson. And then Julian Strother uh, is the pick at the end of the first round. And I think Brandon Miller went three in that draft. He's still got Scoot going two, Wemby obviously going one. So that's how the, the top four fell. In the Ringer draft, the new mock draft that the Ringer has from Kevin O'Connell, this was March 23rd, they, they're doing uh, sort of a randomized, you know, they, they run through the tankathon essentially and, and mix it up a little bit. So the Hornets 
fall to sixth, and they take Jairus Walker from Houston, and they're still taking Dariq Whitehead with that second pick. Okay, Jairus so Walker. Drops. As much as much as we've talked about him, you know, it's it's interesting positionally with the Charlotte Hornets team. So yeah, we'll see. Well, I'm interested to see just how much he's valued because he's not like one of these takeover guys, but he's is highly skilled. And then Dariq Whitehead, another interesting name too, who is one of the Blue Devils that did enter the draft with Filipowski expected to come back, by the way. So not even going to be eligible. That's kind of an interesting note. Um, if that does take place, Tyrese yeah. Proctor coming back. So what do you so, have, Doug? You know, on the position, because I've seen a lot of comments, you know, hey, Wimby would be better in San Antonio because the Hornets already have a center and Mark Williams, you know, how would that work? Or Scoot, you know, how do you make Scoot work with LaMelo and, and so on and so forth? To me, if you get one of those top two picks, you make it work. You figure it out. Like Wimby yeah. can play alongside Mark Williams. In fact, it might benefit Wimby to play alongside Mark Williams because Mark Williams can go in and try to do some of the dirty work and leave – uh, leave you know his leave Wimby's body to develop slowly um, in the NBA instead of taking that beating night in and night out. So, but I think positionally it shouldn't matter. Now, once you get into I think that sixth pick, you know, then it might start to matter a little bit, and that's why I think if they drop down to six, I would be more comfortable with them, you know, picking up the phone if they're serious about winning next season. Pick up the phone and see what assets you can bring back for that sixth pick. All right, thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your pods. Now make your second listen game-to-game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result, Locked On Game-to-Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game-to-Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your pods. We appreciate it, Doug. You got one other thing. I want to do one, one more thing. thing. One, one more tease for those that have stuck around this long. I've got one more tease. Uh-huh. I've got one more conspiracy theory okay. for tomorrow, and it involves Patrick Ewing. <laughs> oh, he's been there, baby. He's got the hat. He's looking G. He's awfully <laughs> close to the court. Find out what the conspiracy theory is tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day.